It's Saturday, November the 6th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, America's infrastructure bill passes and COVID-19's risky gene. First, the week in brief. After weeks of tortuous negotiations, America's House of Representatives narrowly passed a 1.5 trillion US dollar infrastructure bill, which will now go to Joe Biden's desk. The Senate passed it months ago. Progressive Democrats had refused to approve the measure without it being tied to a larger social spending bill. They were mollified after enough moderate Democrats signed a pledge to support that measure as long as the non-partisan Congressional Budget Office shows that it will be fully paid for. Scientists identified a gene that doubles the risk of lung failure and death from COVID-19. Their research suggests that about 60% of people with South Asian ancestry carry the gene, compared with 15% of those with European heritage. The difference may in part explain why COVID-19 has had a more devastating impact on some specific communities and in South Asia. Meanwhile, a late-stage trial found that Paxlovid, a COVID-19 antiviral pill, cut the risk of hospitalisation or death from the virus by 89%. Pfizer, the pharma company behind the drug, said it stopped the trial because of its, quote, overwhelming efficacy and plan to submit the findings to America's regulatory authorities to get emergency authorization as soon as possible. Paxlovid joins Molnupiravir, another promising non-jab treatment. Missouri and 10 other Republican-led states sued to block the Biden administration's mandate that employees at large private firms be vaccinated against COVID-19 by January 4th or submit to weekly testing. They allege that the federal government lacks the constitutional authority to issue such a requirement. The agency that devised it, they contend, deviated from the proper rulemaking process. A Chinese intelligence officer was convicted in America of espionage and theft of trade secrets. Yan Junshu is the first spy from China to be extradited to America to stand trial. He had tried to steal technological know-how from leading American aviation firms, including GE. Mr. Xu, who was arrested in Belgium while meeting a contact, faces up to 60 years jail time. Employers in America added 531,000 non-farm payrolls in October, the most since July, while the unemployment rate dipped by 0.2 percentage points to 4.6%. Gains were widespread across sectors. Workers are returning as the Delta variant recedes, following a late summer slowdown in the labour market. Still, some 7.4 million people are unemployed, compared with 5.7 million just before the pandemic. French bishops admitted that the Catholic Church bears, quote, institutional responsibility for child abuse perpetrated by its clergy and lay members. Last month, 
an independent investigation into the church in France found that as many as 330,000 children were abused between 1950 and 2020. The Vatican's response has been slow and faltering. Word of the week. Geringonça, noun. A Portuguese term, sometimes translated as contraption, that refers to a device patched together from oddly fitting parts. Although the governing arrangement that Antonio Costa, Portugal's Prime Minister, assembled in 2015 was dubbed as such, it proved surprisingly durable. And correction. In earlier editions of Espresso, we wrongly stated that the vaccination rate in France has, quote, stalled at under 70%. As many readers of all nationalities swiftly pointed out, France is actually doing much better at 88%. Sorry. And now, here's today's agenda. Hot air? Art and Diplomacy When diplomats descend on a summit, so do artists. In July 2017, as the G20 gathered in Hamburg, hundreds of people caked in clay performed 1,000 Gestalten, moving zombie-like through the city as a comment on political apathy. In June, Joe Rush, a sculptor, built effigies of G7 leaders from unwanted electronic items, hoping, quote, to prick their conscience about waste. COP26 is no different. Environmentally-minded artists are displaying their work in Glasgow to the world's most influential politicians. More than 300 glass fish have been installed in one conference site to dramatise declining wild salmon populations. At a nearby museum, a vitrine containing Antarctic air and ice from 1765 captures a slice of the pre-industrial past. I don't think environmental artwork in its own right necessarily makes a difference, admitted Matthew Rosier, whose video installation about trees went on display in London on Thursday. But it, quote, helps create the political context required for action. The Art of Wearing Masks A show for our time Gillian Waring has long been obsessed with masks. Since the early 1990s, the British conceptual artist has made works that draw attention to the deceptions in everyday life. A series called Album, 2003, saw Ms. Waring using digital trickery to overlay her face on top of those of other members of her family. For Fear and Loathing, 2014, she placed advertisements online asking people to divulge their secrets on camera with their faces concealed by masks that froze them in anonymity. Gillian Waring, Wearing Masks, a retrospective, albeit with some new works, went on display on Friday at the Guggenheim Museum in New York City. The show's apparently prescient title was chosen before the pandemic. Much of America is now bitterly divided over the introduction of mask mandates to reduce the transmission of COVID-19. 
But Ms Waring's work highlights the ways in which masks give people the freedom to exist however they please. A long innings. Racism in English cricket. In late 2020, Azim Rafiq told journalists that the racism he had experienced from within his own club as a professional cricketer for Yorkshire, a county in England, had made him contemplate suicide. After an internal report into Mr Rafiq's allegations against the club and strong external criticism, this week came the reckoning. On Thursday, the club was suspended from hosting major matches at its Headingley ground by the England and Wales Cricket Board. On Friday, the chairman of the club, Roger Hutton, resigned and apologised, quote, unreservedly to Mr Rafiq. The cricketer's plight highlights one of the great failings of English cricket. Up to 30% of recreational cricket in England is played by those of South Asian heritage, yet such players represent only 5% of male professionals. To its credit, the ECB's awareness of this disparity has led it to encourage more South Asians to play. Clearly, however, more needs to be done. Old meets new. Ancient cupping method boosts COVID vaccines. Pressing a suction cup to the skin to boost health may sound like pseudoscience. And to some scientists, cupping is just that, a form of quackery akin to acupuncture and bloodletting. But researchers reporting in the journal Science Advances have applied the ancient technique to COVID-19 vaccine delivery with success. In experiments, rats were injected with pure SARS-CoV-2 DNA, which on its own quickly degrades in the body. But following up the injection with moderate suction through a plastic cup induced the skin cells to absorb the DNA, triggering an immune response 100 times stronger than injection alone. Based on these results, cupping has been incorporated into DNA vaccine clinical trials. These matter hugely because DNA vaccines, such as India's Zykovdi, do not require constant refrigeration and so are easier to roll out in poor countries. This goes to show that scientists should take inspiration wherever they can get it. Public health is no place for squeamishness. Profile Uli Sig Collector of Chinese Contemporary Art Chinese painting is all about power, says Uli Sig. He should know. For over 40 years, the Swiss businessman and former diplomat watched as Chinese artists tried to make sense of the changes sweeping their country. In 2012, he offered nearly 1,500 artworks to M+, Hong Kong's new museum of visual culture. After much delay, it opens on November 12th. Mr Sig was sent to China in 1979 by Schindler, a Swiss lift manufacturer. A year before, the, quote, open door policy was introduced, allowing foreign businesses to set up in the country. Mr Sig's brief was to create China's first joint venture with a foreign firm. 
An art fan, he found that artists were enjoying a moment of creativity. A few months earlier, a group staged an unauthorized show of posters and paintings outside the National Gallery in Beijing. The police quickly removed it. Mr. Sig traveled China extensively, getting to know the country. He learned Chinese on the job and sought out artists wherever he could find them. In 1995, he became the Swiss ambassador stationed in Beijing. Night after night, after the official receptions and embassy dinners, he headed to the East Village, where artists were beginning to congregate. He bought up art, determined to save what avant-garde pieces he could, and create a record of how artists saw China's transformation. His collection sheds light on the beginnings of Chinese contemporary art during the Cultural Revolution with the artists of the No Name Group, China's first underground art movement. He became an early patron of Ai Weiwei, who claims Mr. Sig quote was the one who made me. Mr. Sig donated his collection to Hong Kong because of its robust legal system and tradition of free expression. Both are under pressure. M Plus's opening show is unlikely to include works by Mr. I, whose memoir, published on Tuesday, will almost certainly have annoyed the authorities in Beijing. Mr. Sig insists he collected his artworks to save them for the Chinese people. He is optimistic they will eventually be shown on the mainland, but knows he may not live to see them there. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Catherine the Great, who died on November 17, 1796. A great wind is blowing, and that gives you either imagination or a headache. That's it from the Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for the Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download the Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 